Welcome in, and thank you for listening to Tell Them What They've Won's first ever Behind the Show. Periodically, we will dive behind the headlines, the curtains, and the games to bring you some deeper dives into the underbelly of the superficial glitz and glamour of the game show world. Despite the outward appearance, game shows are not always bright lights and victorious contestants. There is often a darker side, not commonly exposed. We have researched, gathered, and interviewed, hoping to provide you with a comprehensive picture of one of the biggest game show cheating scandals since the 1950s. So sit back, grab a beverage, and enjoy. Tell them what they won presents Behind the Show. Tom, game shows would like you to believe their world is a miniature Camelot, but I found out that isn't entirely true. A lot of people are upset at the game show Wheel of Fortune this morning. We flew to Los Angeles where most TV game shows are taped. What we found was surprising and in some cases even startling. The skyrocketing fraud involving workers' compensation. Tonight, a contestant on The Price is Right. The problem is, she had told work she was injured. It may be the creepiest episode ever on the dating game because this bachelor looking for love back in 1978 is actually a serial killer. Television viewers love to watch these shows and a lot of the things that go on backstage viewers never know about. Tell them what they've won presents behind the show, The Million Dollar Cough. Tonight and for the next 10 nights, you'll be watching British quiz show history. For the first time on UK TV, we have a top prize available of £1 million. And it could be won here tonight. No tricks, no traps. Contestants will leave the studio tonight with big cash prizes. And if they have the skill and nerve, someone could leave here a millionaire. To find out how you could take part or just share the tension, the tears and triumph at home, join us now for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? That was Chris Tarrant, the first host of the first version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was based in the UK. Millionaire was the first game show in UK television history to offer up a million-dollar top prize and helped set the stage for daytime, primetime, and reality game shows going forward. Millionaire literally changed the face of game shows with an edgier, darker stage, bigger and brighter lights, and the most dramatic music found in a game show to date. And where typical game shows would impose a time limit on contestants' answers, Millionaire would allow as much time as necessary. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire's rights were attained almost immediately by the United States, and it quickly became one of the highest-rated game shows in the history of U.S. television, winning seven Daytime Emmy Awards during its run. And although we certainly have a love affair here in the U.S. with game shows and trivia in general, it's nothing compared to the quizzers in England and how serious they take it. We spoke with game show researcher and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire contestant, Brian Henniger. Well, my name is Brian Henniger. I live in La Follette, Tennessee. I am something of a fan of the show since it debuted in 1999. Kind of a game show nerd, you might say. And I was a contestant on the show in 2016. For those who don't know, what's a quizzer? 
Well, a quizzer is just someone like you and I that's really into playing trivia games. It's not your physical abilities, but you're able to compete against other people and do something really, really good. Here's Tell Them What They've Won's resident historian laureate. My name is Christian Carrion. I'm originally from New Haven, Connecticut, and now residing in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You know, you talk about the concept of the quiz in the UK, whether that's a quiz show, whether it's pub trivia, uh, it's such a popular phenomenon. And I think that that's because of a few things. First of all, the quiz-based game show in England caught on in a much different way than the game show caught on in America. British quiz shows in general are a lot more cerebral and a lot more uh, knowledge-based than the typical American game show. Uh, there is a respect for general knowledge and a respect for uh, being able to hold your own under pressure, especially in a quiz format. And I think that the success of the pub quiz uh, is a great testament to that because in the pub quiz, you get the combination of two things that British people love, which is drinking and getting things correct. <laughs> These quizzers love their trivia and game shows so much that some of them will go to extreme measures just to win, with Charles Ingram being the foremost example of that. Charles Ingram was born August 6th, 1963, in Derbyshire, England. An army major turned computer repairman, he first became a millionaire contestant on September 9th, 2001, in a run which ended up spanning two episodes. Charles Ingram was one of the few contestants in the modern history of game shows to get caught cheating. He wanted to be on Millionaire for a really long time, and his wife had previously made it on the show. So I think he had a goal in mind of surpassing his wife's score. Nine contestants left. How many got it right? Only one. Diana Ingram in 5.38 seconds. Hey, Diana. His wife, Diana Ingram from Wiltshire, was originally a contestant on April 9th, 2001, winning £32,000 after answering the £64,000 question incorrectly. She is in the audience during Charles's run, seemingly providing help. However, she was on camera the entire time, so had to try to be very furtive in her actions. Then we have a gentleman by the name of Tequin Whittock, alleged accomplice. Along with Diana, Tequin would provide assistance course, to Charles course, during course, the game. 18, right? That's the right order. 10 started. How many got it right? These were all correct. Most of them, uh, Tequin Whittock in 7.08 seconds. We'll play, Tequin. And finally, we come to Adrian Pollock, brother of Diana and fellow diehard quizzer. He was the first member of the family to be a contestant December 23rd. Uh, all these got it right, not all of them, most of them. Who was fastest? Adrian Pollock. It's 7.10 seconds. You got it. Yeah. You made it. And that's really where our story starts. We'll be back right after this. You've been listening to Tell Them What They've Won presents Behind the Show, The Million Dollar Call. Welcome back to Tell Them What They've Won presents Behind the Show, The Million Dollar Cough. This was not Adrian's first appearance on the show. He had, in fact, been in the fastest finger pool twice before, but never made it into the hot seat. Once he finally made it, he ended up winning 32,000 pounds. 
he missed the 64,000-pound question. If you need to, here it is. In the USA and Canada, Labor Day is celebrated in which month? May, July, September, November. After using both the 50-50 and phone-a-friend lifelines, he went with May. Final answer. Yes, final answer. It's the wrong oh, answer. No. Adrian, after all this time. Oh, no. It's September in yeah. America. It's uh, September uh. in Canada. Oh, I tell you what, though. It's yeah. been great to have you. I've really I'm enjoyed having you. I'm so pleased it. to have you here. <laughs> At last, after over two years of trying, Adrian Pollock goes back to the Vale of Glamorgan to tell his family Daddy's got £32,000. Give him a... Next, Diana makes her appearance on the show. However, as with Adrian, this was also not her first showing. Both she and Charles appeared in the fastest finger pool on a couple's edition earlier in 2001, but never made it to the hot seat. During her solo run, just like her brother, she won 32,000 pounds after missing the 64,000 pound question. Who wrote the nonsense poem, The Hunting of the Snark? G.K. Chesterton, Hilaire Belloc, Edward Lear, Lewis Carroll. Well, she guessed Edward Lear, with the correct answer being Kept Lewis Carroll. Lifeline. You desperately wanted to beat your brother. You stayed in exactly the same place as your brother. You're still on thirty-two thousand pounds. Oh! They interviewed Chris Tarrant. You know, after it was over, she was, he was handing her the check, and he goes, "Congratulations, you won a lot of money." She goes, "Yeah, it was only thirty-two thousand. And Chris said, but that's a huge amount of money. She goes, yeah, but I should have done better. I should have won more than my brother. So she was very competitive. You know, she wanted to have that desire to just win a lot of money. By this time, the hype around millionaire in the UK is at full tilt. People are doing everything they can just to get a chance to sit in the hot seat and have a go at the million pounds. Some of them even take their chances to the next level. Diana and Charles start to develop their own plan. Before he gets on the show, Diana apparently went to a phone store in England and bought four separate pagers. So the way the millionaire stage is set up, you have the main ring of fire, which is I think 200 people are in the main audience. Because it was so popular, there was a holdover area where 400 people, I think, could sit and watch the taping on a big screen. Their plan, I'm thinking, was to maybe have somebody in the holdover area with a cell phone to try to call them with the answer. And they'd like call one of the four pagers and like they'd like strapped to each of her different limbs. People believe that that was the initial plan. This plan would eventually be shut down because the audience members were not allowed to bring cell phones into the taping. After it was all said and done, it's a good thing they didn't go with it, as Charles was actually frisked at the end of his episode. To even have a shot at the million pounds, Charles had to first make it into the hot seat. So they built a practice device to help him out. And I know that some people here in America did, you know, build their own fastest finger rigs just to practice that part of the game. I believe that is, in fact, what he did. I'm thinking they're just thinking, let's just try to get him into the hot seat any way we can. Then we can try this. Some former contestants have gotten together and formed what they call the Consortium, an organization of crack quizzers that allegedly help people get onto the show and then, for a percentage of the profits, act as their lifeline helper during the broadcast. There are rumors that say the organizers of the consortium, Patty Spooner and Keith Burgess, made as much as five million pounds through their efforts. 
Although there's no direct evidence that the Ingrams had used the group for help, it is reasonable to believe that this network of quizzers is how Tequin Widock and Diane Ingram may have first met. Finally, Charles makes it into the show, and Diana finds out that Tequin is going to be on the taping the following day, and they put their plan into action. Millionaire tapes their shows. It would take them like a day or two days in advance. And Tequin Wittick was going to be in the Ring of Fire for the second episode. And so I'm thinking their plan was see how far he can get on the first one. And once he got to the second day, they knew that their partner was going to be there. Now let's try to focus on doing this. So I'm thinking that was more along the lines of just get him in the hot seat, hope that he's able to last to the next episode because he starts using his lifelines fairly early. He got to 4,000 pounds, burning two of his lifelines, and that's when time ran out. So I'm thinking they were just hoping, get him in there, and let's hope that he's able to last to the next episode. Charles was to get into the chair and take as much time as possible to push the game to the next taping day. This way, Tequin would be in the fastest finger group and be able to hear the questions along with Charles. As Charles would cycle through the possible answers aloud, Tequin would then cough as the correct answer is read. Well, I think the genius of the coughing idea is that in the context of the show with the music playing, with the hosting and tester microphones turned all the way up and the audience at its level, a cough doesn't really go detected. And that's why it was celebrated the day after the episode aired that this guy had won a million dollars. Nobody had caught on to the fact yet that he was in fact cheating using sounds from the audience. I think that some production staff, while the episode was recording, had an interesting inkling about somebody coughing when the right answer is said and i think that they waited for the episode to play itself out and play itself out it did you'll hear how next on tell them what they won presents behind the show the million dollar call Welcome back to Tell Them What They've Won presents Behind the Show, The Million Dollar Cough. During Charles's first episode, he's a very nervous player, unsure of his answers and generally showing a lack of confidence. He is often very relieved when he gets a right answer and uses two of his lifelines in a short amount of time. He is clearly showing that he is not a contestant who is capable of going all the way. He ends his first episode with a very obvious sort of Damocles over his head. He cannot survive much longer. But then things take a turn. The second episode is where a drastic change starts to become very apparent. Charles takes on a very different tone. He has more of an air of confidence about him, making his hemming and hawing over questions seem disingenuous. He's no longer surprised, although indeed happy, when getting a question right and his nervousness seems to have all but subsided. It's almost as if he were a totally different person. During his run, there are some key questions which vividly illustrate these changes, as well as the basis for the argument that he is, in fact, cheating. The 8,000 pound question. Who was the second husband of Jacqueline Kennedy? Who was the second husband of Jacqueline Kennedy? Adnan Khashoggi, Ronald Reagan, Aristotle Anassis, Rupert Murdoch, 
The correct answer is Aristotle Onassis, which he seemed to know already. He reads the answer first, after which you can hear an audible cough, signifying a correct answer. I would have thought, I would have thought that it would be Aristotle Onassis. <coughs> Why? It is known that the coughing was made louder in the footage, currently available to the public on YouTube. However, it was not done in an underhanded way. Rather, the prosecution did so with full transparency to emphasize their point in court. The 32,000 pound question. Who had, who had a hit UK album with Born to Do It, released in 2000? Coldplay, Top Loader, A1, Craig David. It seems Charles does not know the answer. Sure, I'm afraid. Um, born to do it. I vaguely recall it. I'm, I'm sure I've heard of the title, but I, I don't honestly know for sure. Um, Take your time. Have a look at it. Um, you can obviously walk away with sixteen thousand because you would lose fifteen if you gave me a wrong answer. Yeah. I think. I think. I think it's A1. You got a fifty-fifty. Craig David, I just can't, I don't think, I've, I've never heard of Craig David, to be honest. It's quite well <laughs> Is that simple? Um, Coldplay I've never heard of. And Top Loader is a, well, it's part of a rifle, so I don't think it's that. Uh, it's also a brazier. Is it? All oh, right, well, thank you for that. <laughs> I wouldn't know. You know. Uh, it's interesting to note that he mentioned not knowing who Coldplay was, perhaps one of the biggest UK bands of all time. It seems difficult to believe that anyone capable of winning Millionaire wouldn't know them. But, in fairness, 2001 was near the start of Coldplay's mainstream career. It's possible he simply hadn't knowingly encountered them yet. In any event, he doesn't need to worry about that for long. He uses his last lifeline, the 50-50, leaving only A1 and Craig David remaining. I had to help you at all, actually, but... He mentions many times that he doesn't know who Craig David is. This is a pretty obvious ploy to try and get a cough from Tequin. However, it seems he doesn't know the answer either. At this point, we can see footage of Diana in the audience. She continually looks over in Tequin's direction, almost trying to will him with her eyes into coughing. After some time, she forces out a cough when Charles says the name Craig David. A1, A1 or Craig David. Charles catches on and ends up getting the question right. Everyone is stunned by his sudden pivot and subsequent right answer. So your strategy and your sub-strategy... <laughs> Just go for it. It yeah. somehow worked. Absolutely. I have no idea how you got to choose a man with lots of money at stake <laughs> who you'd never heard of. Neither have I. I don't think I'll be doing that again. All right. Right, have yep. a look. Somehow, Charles, you've got your way up to that £32,000. The £64,000 question. Gentlemen versus players was an annual match between amateurs and professionals of which sport? Gentlemen versus players was an annual match between amateurs and professionals of which sport? Lawn tennis, rugby union, polo, cricket. That's worth 60... Tech one again coughs at the right answer. However, Charles still continues to go through all the answers, playing dumb, to confirm that he heard the cough at the correct point. I think if I had to guess, and I can, I think can I'd take cricket. <coughs> oh, God. <laughs> <coughs> no, it's, it's 
not fair on everyone else. I'll, I'll go for cricket. It doesn't matter about everybody else. They'll play anyway, don't worry. Um, going to play? Final cricket, answer. Cricket. Cricket. Final answer. You got £32,000. Your wife came and she won £32,000. You just won £64,000. The £500,000 question. Baron Houseman is best known for his planning of which city? Rome, Paris, Berlin, Athens. I think it's Berlin. Charles begins by guessing at Berlin, but he receives no cough. He then very clearly goes through all the answers, getting a cough at Paris. He deliberates on Berlin for a long time further, but then gets another cough when he mentions Paris again. After making a clear decision on Berlin, he makes another last-minute pivot to a right answer to everyone's surprise. And I think it's Paris. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Paris. You were convinced it was Berlin. I know, I know. I, I think I was wrong. I'm going to go for Paris. Final answer. Final answer. You had £250,000. You did not need to play this question. You thought it was Berlin, Berlin, Berlin. You changed your mind to Paris. That brought you 500000 Yes! The million-pound question. A number one followed by 100 zeros is known by what name? Google. Megatron. Gigabit. Nanomole. Charles's behavior here demonstrates both his unworthiness of winning the game as well as some potentially key mistakes in his strategy. As a computer repairman, he should be able to eliminate Gigabit immediately, but does not. One would hope he knows Megatron as a transformer, but there is an understandable generation gap there. Regardless of his methods, he is able to go through all the options and land on Google as the answer. By his own admission, he got there by process of elimination, but then adds that he, quote, doesn't know what a Google is. This is another sign of him playing dumb, perhaps to make him look more innocent, but it truly does seem to have the opposite effect. A player who is able to arrive at a logical correct answer would simply do so and not dilly-dally as much as he does. 500,000 pounds, he got this question. A number one followed by 100 zeros is known by what name? Google, Megatron, Gigabit, Nanomole. He initially went for Nanomole. He then went through his various options again. He knew he would lose £468,000 if he was wrong. He then went for Google mainly because he'd never heard of it and he'd heard of the other three. Charles, give me that check. £500,000. <laughs> you no longer have that. You just won one million! The audience cheers, the confetti falls, and Diana looks happy. Well, sort of. Why would she possibly be upset? Find out next when we continue. Tell them what they won presents behind the show, The Million Dollar Call.
Welcome back to Tell Them What They've Won presents Behind the Show, The Million Dollar Cough. The popular opinion is that there was an agreement that Charles was only supposed to win up to a certain amount and then bow out. The reasoning being that winning a lower amount would raise less suspicion. They could get away with a fair amount of money without going overboard. However, it seems Charles may have gone rogue and continued playing past the agreed-upon amount. This is echoed by an alleged fight that occurred in the dressing room after the show ended. Initially, their plan was he was going to get to, I think it was either 125 or 250,000 pounds. And then I don't care if you know the answer, you walk away. Because they're thinking if he walks away with a quarter of a million pounds, that's a lot of money, but it's not going to arouse that much suspicion because a lot of people have won big money on the show at this point. But he just kept going. He went over their plan. He wins the million pounds. Of course, he's going to be the focus of all the attention. The fireworks are going to go off. The confetti is going to fall and all this other stuff. So he wins the check. They do the celebration. This is when their plan begins to fall apart. Well, after your game is over with, regardless of how much money you won, they would take you to a dressing room to kind of wait and to kind of decompress. And then they take you to where you sign all the paperwork so you can get your check. Because on the British version, you got your check that day and you took it home with you and you could deposit it tomorrow. And as, as soon as the door closes, Diana Ingram starts yelling at him. I mean, they get into a Barney of an argument and she gives him a good hiding. And that was kind of the first clue that things weren't exactly on the level. Because if you've just won 1 million pounds, which is about $1.6 million back then, tax-free, that's not going to be your first initial reaction to winning that much money, you know? (laughs) One of the baddest beats to befall the Ingrams was the fact that the check that was cut to them for their winnings was cut on September 10th, 2001 literally the day before the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon in the United States. This, of course, shut down the banking system in the UK as well. Hence, the Ingrams were unable to cash their check. If they had, they may have been able to skip the country, and who knows if they may have ever been caught. They taped the episode on September 10th of 2001. The next day, you know, banks are closed all over the world. They couldn't cash it. The day after that, Celador Productions calls Charles on the phone and says, hey, listen, we have reason to believe that there has been a cheating allegation, as a matter of fact, so we're going to have to stop payment on the check, and we've had to contact the police about this. And the police get called, and that's where the whole thing starts. They get called in, they were arrested for defrauding the show, and that's when the whole court case goes down. After the heads of the production company and the show's technical staff compiled what they thought was enough evidence to bring charges, they turned the recordings over to the police. Eventually, Charles, Diana, and Tequin were arrested and charged with procuring the execution of a valuable security by deception. During the trial, testimony was given by the production staff, the Ingrams, Tequin, and even another player in the fastest finger round named Larry Whitehurst. He swore that he was aware of Tequin's coughing after each correct answer, although Whitehurst never made it to the hot seat and could very well be speaking out of jealousy. Also during the trial, the pager phone records are presented as evidence against the Ingrams in addition to the recordings provided from the production company. There was a record of a call that Diana made to Tequin between the two appearances of Charles. She claims that it was made simply to wish him luck. But why had she not given a good luck call to anyone else in the Ring of Fire? The defense for the Ingrams claimed that the video evidence was unfairly manipulated. Basically, this whole thing goes down because they argued... We have all these coughs that they did. We have all the evidence that they coughed. We've isolated the audio. Now, the one thing that is true is that in the versions we've always seen, 
Celador Productions did enhance the audio on the coughs so we could hear them. But that might be more a case of, of the mics couldn't pick them up if they're at the normal volume for so we could hear them. So they had to enhance it for us. Tequin even claims that he had a persistent medical condition that caused his coughing. Their defense was that Tequin did have a history of having hay fever and he did cough uncontrollably. The evidence shows there were 192 coughs recorded during Charles's second night performance. Of them, only 32 were recorded from the 10 Fastest Finger First contestants. And of those 32 coughs, 19 of them heard on the videotape were considered significant. The trial lasted four weeks, and Charles, Diana, and Tequin were convicted by a majority verdict of their offenses on April 7, 2003. They were all given suspended sentences. I would definitely agree with the judge's sentiment that the public humiliation as a result of what Charles did on Millionaire would far outweigh any punishment the court could impose. They were supposed to get jail time, but the judge, I remember this very distinctly, the judge then was Jeffrey Rivlin, gave them suspended sentences of 18 months and said they had been shamed in the most public way and their reputations had been ruined. And he said that we could not punish you any worse than the way you're being punished right now. And there were some bad things that happened to him. I know that their kids got insulted on the streets, which is never the right thing to do ever in that situation. Charles has come out publicly and said that although some of the stories about hate from the public are exaggerated, that indeed his cat was shot and they have had bags of vomit thrown against their house. One of the most severe punishments was Charles's discharge from the military and the removal of his major rank. While obviously necessary, it has a significant and irreversible impact on his overall reputation and character. Outcomes like this really show how the risk of cheating simply isn't worth it. But can it be said that he truly learned his lesson if he continued to profit off other shows and his so-called fame? After the scandal, Ingram appeared on a number of additional game-slash-competition shows, The Games, The Weakest Link, and Wife Swap. Diana appeared with him on both The Weakest Link and Wife Swap. There has also been a book, a play, and a TV miniseries, all of which benefited the Ingrams to some degree. Despite some positives arriving for him as a result of his scandal, it did come back to haunt him. In 2003, he and Diana were involved in an unrelated insurance fraud case. He was found guilty of, quote, obtaining a pecuniary advantage by deception. In lay terms, he tried to get insurance for a burglary at his home that never happened. One piece of evidence against him was indeed the millionaire scandal. It was positioned both as an example of his poor judgment and character, as well as the basis for a motive. Since he and his wife were both under financial hardship as a result of a scandal, it could be easily shown that they were desperate for money. To this day, both he and Diana continued to deny everything, maintaining their innocence and claiming they didn't cheat. While the evidence certainly paints a compelling picture, we can't be absolutely certain that there was truly any wrongdoing. Tequin Wittick was offered the chance to kind of cash in on his infamy. There was a brand of cough drops in England that was willing to change their name to Tequins and have him be their spokesman. He said, absolutely no way. The court ruled them guilty. And in the public's eye, they are as well. But how do you feel? When we come back, we'll find out how Christian, Brian, and the game show guys feel about Tell Them What They've Won Presents behind the show, The Million Dollar Call.
Welcome back to Tell Them What They've Won presents Behind the Show, The Million Dollar Cough. So did the Ingrams cheat? Or did they just game the system? And who was the true mastermind behind it all? Or did the production company have it out for them from the get-go? I'm not one of those people who thinks that the Ingrams were railroaded because there have been now, it's been almost 20 years since it happened. There are people who've actually written whole books. There, there's a book about it that's a quote unquote millionaire truther book called Bad Show that claims that he got railroaded. But what is cheating and what isn't cheating? I don't think, you know, planning it is cheating. James Holtzauer built a replica buzzer that he could play along with watching the show at home. You know, that's not cheating. Building your own fastest finger rig, that isn't cheating. That's just trying to prepare yourself. There is a line, though, where you're going from just trying to prepare yourself and trying to figure things out and then going into cheating. I think there is definitely a line, and they were trying to find that line. I think that a lot of people, when they get on game shows, they have this idea that, uh, A, they don't want to look stupid, or B, they want to look smarter than whoever is out there to impress. I believe it is a cut and dry situation. They clearly cheated. The evidence is overwhelming, specifically Diana's laughably fake coughs, and he exhibits very few qualities of a quizzer who would be capable of winning Millionaire. If he didn't cheat, we're led to believe that he just lucked into it, like Slumdog Millionaire or Cliff on Cheers. That always struck me as very greedy. I mean, how could you break the bank on one of the most popular game shows in the country on TV and not think you'd get caught? There's a million pounds tax-free over in England. Some people will look at that and think there's got to be a way that we can cheat the system and make the money. I believe there's room for doubt in all of this. Some say the coughs were actually unconscious triggers, which could certainly be true. The production company may have not wanted to pay out all the money and therefore was doing whatever it could to prevent the big winners. Even host Chris Tarrant said he wasn't sure he noticed anything strange during the filming. The actor who plays Charles Ingram, he said that he met them on the last day of, of filming. They actually brought them in so they could kind of give him some advice and like some stuff that happened. But he said he wasn't sure and he played him in it. So, you know, there is a case to be made that maybe he was sort of an unwilling co-conspirator, but he still went along with it. They, they still did it. It's clear that Charles went into Millionaire with a chip on his shoulder. He wanted to score higher than his wife on the game. He wanted to show everyone how smart he was. He wanted to flex. He wanted to win a lot of money. He unfortunately went a bit too high and got found out. Had he just played the angle of, I knew these things, or I figured them out, it would have been more believable. His play dumb angle was really his ultimate undoing. In a lot of ways, I think she was the main mastermind behind this because, you know, she just had that desire to, you know, it was kind of like what you saw with Michael Larson in a way that they just wanted to win as much money as they could with as little effort as possible. I'm not saying that nobody else has that desire, but they were willing to go to lengths that most people wouldn't go to. If you've ever seen any interviews the Ingrams have given, I don't think I've ever seen Diana Ingram smile once in her entire life. It just seemed like she was willing to, you know, by hook or by crook, just win as much money as they could. If there were truly 192 coughs throughout the night, and the production company does not deny beefing up the audio on the tapes, which would definitely be to their advantage, I cannot say that this is cut and dry. Although I believe they may have cheated, I find the evidence circumstantial and the video recordings slanted at best. I can condemn their foolishness, but I cannot criminally convict them. 
if nobody had ever noticed, who knows what would have happened? And who knows how that would have changed the course of the history of that show and game shows in general. After the quiz show scandals, it was one of the biggest game show cheating scenarios in history. And this one was different because this one was totally the contestants themselves trying to game the system. Whereas the quiz show scandals was like pro wrestling. It was an orchestration by the producers. The episode itself has entered television history books in a more dubious way than some, but his name was household and to a lot of people still is. And that's not a positive connotation. It still is thought of in England today. When they brought Millionaire back a few years ago, it was so funny that the first has his finger around and Jeremy Clarkson says, everyone in the audience, please be quiet. No coughing. The world of game shows is very happy and very bright and fun, but it is also full of people who are out to prove themselves and who are out to step on toes and take the spotlight and be at the forefront. And the games that those people play are very dangerous. As time goes on, it seems the situation may be tilting in the Ingram's favor. New audio recognition technology provides advanced opportunities to analyze the sound of a cough and determine accurately from whom it came. Charles and Diana, as well as their legal team, are confident that this will allow them to prove that the coughs came from a number of different people, and only those which serve the cheating narrative were used in the trial. They continue to appeal the decision in an attempt to clear their names. However, even if the appeal is successfully completed, will it repair the damage already done to the Ingram name? He certainly won't be re-enlisted in the military, and it's likely his reputation would not be able to recover. The real question here is, even if this whole thing was overturned, at this point, would anyone care? Thank you for listening to Tell Them What They Won's Behind the Show, The Million Dollar Cough. Special thank you to Brian Henniger, Christian Carrion, and the rest of the research team here on the show. Tune in again next time when we will take you on a deeper dive into the underbelly of the superficial glitz and glamour of the game show world. And remember, you can catch us online on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. We'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, share, like, and drop a review if you like what you heard. And get ready for much more fun and excitement in Season 2 of America's favorite game show podcast, Tell Them What They've Won. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast, Tell Them What They've Won, a JTAC audio production, copyright 2020. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. Copyright 2020, a JTAC audio production.